Well, today is Father's Day, and we want to say a, a strong word to our fathers. We appreciate what you've done in your life for the Lord and the way that you've guided your children in a godly way. We want to thank you for that, and uh, today I'm going to talk about that. This is very, very important. There are folks that you're very close friends with that you can influence, of course, for the Lord and His direction and in their lives. And then sometimes your children that have children have gotten a little off base somewhere along the way, and you still have a teaching and leading responsibility spiritually to those folks. So I want to encourage you to kind of step in every once in a while and uh, say a good word and lead in a godly way when the kids aren't getting that. Because if they don't get that, then uh, it's very unlikely that they will in their uh, older years. Well, today the text is in James 1.12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. The role of fatherhood is a very, very important uh, role. I know that uh, most of us, perhaps, uh, looked at our mothers when we were growing up as the most influential person in our lives. However, statistics are showing that homes that do not have a strong father figure, they have trouble in their lives that follow them even on up into adulthood. God knew what he was doing when he made parenthood a partnership. And as the two of you work together with the kids, the grandkids, and the great-grandkids, then wonderful things for the Lord uh, take place. I admire Christian single parents so much. They really, really, many times have a hard time, as you know. We need to help them with our love, our prayers, our support, in any possible way that we can reach out and be helpful to them. According to Scripture, God has given a specific role for fathers in the home. It is given... That these fathers who take this role seriously have more success in bringing their children to adulthood without major difficulties. That's the framework from which success comes. I'm not saying that it's a guarantee. There are, of course, other influences on the child's life. We hate that when it happens, but it does happen. And the children have to be strong when they're young to uh, push some of that stuff back and push it away from them and take the stronger stand that you have been teaching them in the home. If you stand any chance at all of being successfully uh, Christian in your adulthood, the responsibility of parenthood uh, brings uh, joy and Thanksgiving, when life is done in a godly way. It's very, very important. There are a lot of temptations out there trying to keep us from being successful. The Bible warns us in a number of places against these temptations that come along the way. 
The Bible says that we ought to look at these temptations and fight back these temptations. And we need to know how God has outlined for us a way to overcome them. So that's what I'm going to be talking about this morning. We have two situations that are very common that I want to mention first. The first one is found in our text today in verse 12. We are always under some kind of a trial. Everybody is. For some, it's a major trial. For others, it's a minor trial. For some, it's ten trials at the same time. And for others, it's just one. I could pass around a legal pad this morning and have everybody, uh, every father that's here today, uh, fill it out. And there really shouldn't be a single man in the house, a single father, who would pass up the opportunity to list a trial that he is going through. I've never met a man who was honest who would say that I've lived my whole life and never had a trial. I think they're fibbing. Second, we all are being tempted. We know that. This is found in verses 13 through 15 that we're going to look at in in just a moment. Not just some of the time, but temptations regularly come our way. I want to identify six temptations this morning that every father faces. Now, I realize the temptation is to kind of sit quietly and say, well, that was nice, and then leave and and maybe never think of those six things again. But if you'll take your bulletin or your Bible and find a blank space, and you could jot some of these down, uh, they might be helpful along the way. All right, number one, the area of material possessions. There's nothing wrong with material uh, possessions. It's the temptation to allow what I purchase for my family to serve as a replacement for my personal presence. It's a temptation of toys against time. The temptation to indulge in family because I can buy things easier than I can be there and give my time and attention to the kids. There's nothing wrong with wanting to provide for your family. We all know that. In fact, it's not only wholesome, it's also biblical. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, If anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his own household, he is worse than an unbeliever. I mean, those are real strong words. We need to take care of our family. We all know that. Money may be our most difficult obsession. There's a media pressure against overeating, but there is no media campaign to help us control the materialism that's in our life. Men especially who have a potential for that next big job or that next account or that next place where I'll have to go and be gone for six months or a year or something like that. There's always the subtle temptation to get in over your head and to promise more than you can deliver when you have a family to rear. 
There's always the opportunity to give more time at work, make a better effort, work harder. This is the age-old promise that if you can provide better for your family, everything will be better. Everybody will be happier. Jesus said, however, in Luke 12, 15, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Jesus drew a difference between man's life and what man possesses. In your life, the children want to be as close to you as they can be. You know that. They look to you. They want to hold your hand. They want to walk with you. They want to play with you. They want to do all of that. There's nothing that substitutes for your presence in the bleachers. You're gone, and the ball game is going on. There's nothing to substitute for your presence at a dance recital. There's nothing that substitutes for that moment of conversation just before your child goes to sleep at night. Kids will soon cast aside the gifts, but they will never forget your presence at those important times in their lives. You think that if you work longer, make more, you can buy more, your family will be better. Well, think back. What was it that made your father great in your eyes? What was it? Is that what it was? Working more, earning more, uh, spending all your time at work? Was that it? No, of course not. That wasn't it. It was because he was there to show you how to ride a bike. He was there to show you how to hit the ball. He was there to show you how to bait the hook. He was there to put his arm around you. When that first love in your life just somehow or another uh, fell apart. Secondly, there is emotional strength. Take a good look at your priorities. The things that you say yes to. Which take away your best efforts at home. Look at what your family gets in return. Fathers can give emotional strength to the family. You know, every family is a team, whether they want to be or not. It's a team, and they're supposed to stick together. And every team has got to have a quarterback. The father is supposed to be the quarterback. He's supposed to lead the team. God intended it to be that way, and when it is that way, The emotional strength is provided. Number three, the verbal authority. Another likely area of temptation in all of our lives uh, for the father to see himself as just the verbal authority. Do what you want, but do as I say. Is that the way it ought to go? No. Don't do as I do, do as I say. Is that the way it's supposed to go? No, it's not. This is the temptation to deliver lectures rather than to earn the right to be honored and respected 
in the family through listening and leading. Number four, the temptation of personal perfection. My dad uh, was right in the middle of this. My dad wanted everything to be perfect. Everything he did. He was an engineer. And he wanted everything to be right. If there was just a little thing that was off, he'd want to get that right. And I wanted to play sports. He thought sports were foolishness. Well, as I was thinking about this and uh, writing these things down, I was thinking of my dad because he was right in the middle of this. It's the temptation to be perfect and demanding the same from the rest of the family. I'm sure that there are some of you that are sitting and saying to yourself, I don't demand perfection from my family. Well, I'm going to give you a little test here. It'll take, it'll take about four minutes. Here are some questions that I want every father here today to answer. Do you expect the absolute best from yourself at all times? Do you sometimes put off a project because you know that you don't have time to do it perfectly? Do you get upset when things do not go exactly like you thought they should go? Do you get upset with others because they don't seem to understand your desire to get everything done correctly? Are you real hard on yourself when you make a mistake? Do you think when someone else finishes something that you have requested of them that you certainly could have done a better job at that than they did? Now, my dad would have gotten a check mark for every one of those because that's, that's who he was. Well, guess what? Dads, we need to give the family a little room to fail because they're not going to do everything right every time. That's all there is to it. There's going to be some rough edges. There's going to be some corners that aren't quite right, some wheels that aren't on just exactly right. Some of this, some of that, that's not quite right. I was looking at the statistics of the Baseball Hall of Fame. If you look back at those that have been inducted into the Hall of Fame, you will not find one single person that batted a 1,000. There's not one in there, anywhere. It's been a long time, in fact, since anyone in the Major League Baseball has hit 400. Uh, that's four hits out of ten. For you that don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, most ball players are thrilled to death if they can hit three out of ten. They, they would get a great big salary if they could do that. Do you let your kids get three hits out of ten and you smile and hug them and tell them good job? Or do you praise them when they get four out of ten? Or do you let them know that really you would prefer 8 out of 10? Preferably 9 out of 10. Son, I want you to get a hit now. Every time you're up there, I want you to get a hit. Fathers, I must warn you, you're messing up 
if you're trying for perfection in that boy or that girl. It's building a wall between you and your children. Guard against the temptation to want them to be perfect. They're not going to be perfect. Period. No one bats a thousand. If your children are groaning in your presence, they're trying, obviously, to tell you something. They are weary of your exact demands. Lighten up, Dad, if that's where you are. Number five is sexual drive. Just because you have said that you're never going to have an affair doesn't mean that you never will. Now, with all pride aside, I want us to look at these next verses, 13 through 15. If you still have your Bible open to James 1. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Listen, God does not tempt anyone. He does permit things that are wrong to happen. And they happen around us and through us a lot. That's just the reality of it. What is the process? Look again. It says, each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Now, that word enticed is a very, very important word in this text. It comes from the vocabulary of trappers, people that trap animals. It means to draw out by a bait. It means to set a trap for the unsuspected. It is thought of as being drawn from a place of safety, which is monogamy, to a place of danger, a trap in the life of the seductress. This is the temptation of an affair, to see the temptation, to seek the intimate relationship outside of the bonds of marriage. All of the words in the Bible will not keep us out of the bed with another woman. You have to master the plan. Let me give you a plan. A plan which is guaranteed, I'll just make up this number, 95% of the time. I don't know what the real number is, so we'll just say 95% of the time. That will keep you from having an affair. It's called a picture of your family. I promise you, if you're being tempted by a woman, to take that picture out and to tell her all about your children, the children that you love, that you really love, that you don't want any harm to come to that relationship. Tell her how much those children have meant to you every day of their lives. 
your children can become wonderful protectors. Then ask the seductress to show you a picture of her family. Get a good view at that. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was right when he said, When we are tempted, it doesn't mean that we hate God. Satan just makes us forget about God. That's what's going on. Number six, the temptation to underestimate the importance of cultivating your family's spiritual appetite. In our macho society, spiritual matters are often shuffled off to the mother. Go ask your mother about that. I'm busy. Go talk to your granddad about that. I'm, I got something going here. I'm, I'm working. Can't you see that I'm working? Well, I find it so refreshing. When I get to know one of the fathers in our church and I come across a man who has a genuine love for God and who has a walk with God that is unique, one who has a pursuit of holiness every day that they're alive. We have a lot of fathers like that in our church. And I want to say thank you to you because you're the only thing that is holding our society together. These politicians aren't going to do it. We have found that out. No question about that. If you were killed in an accident tomorrow, Dad, God forbid, what kind of void would be left in your family's spiritual life? When was the last time you went to the Bible seeking direction for your family? Wives love husbands like that, that do that, and that teach that in the family. Kids may not uh, tell you when you're young, but when you get older and they get older, they're going to say to their peers, you know, I was so glad that my dad really loved Jesus. And tried to live for him. Well, there they are. Six temptations which will bring you down. Do you wonder how you scored? Ask your wife. (laughs) She'll tell you. I believe she will be honest enough with you to help you understand. And gentle and gracious enough. To know that there are none of us, not one of us, that are perfect. In one of the revival services, a man that not hardly anybody in the church knew, he stood up and gave his remarkable testimony. He said, I got off the train at the Pennsylvania Depot. I was a tramp. For a year and a half, I had been begging on the streets for a living. That's all I did was ask people for money. One day I touched a man on the shoulder and I said, Mister, could you give me a quarter? As soon as I saw his face, I realized that that was my father. That was my father. It was the father that I hadn't seen in 18 years. Father, don't you recognize me, I asked. 
He looked and he looked and he looked. And then with great emotion, it came to his face and to his mind. He came over to me and threw his arms around me and said, At last, at last, I have found you. Son, all I have is yours. You are all of I that I have been looking for these last 18 years. The man that was testifying at the revival said, I was a tramp begging for 25 cents. My dad wanted to give me all that he was worth and all of his love. Today, the Heavenly Father is waiting perhaps on you. Uh, He wants to give you all of his love and all of the riches of Christ. He wants to give all of that to you. All you need to do is accept it. Today, if you're here in the house and you've never made a public profession of your faith in Christ, I pray that you do it today. This is Father's Day. I pray that on this special day, you take a strong stand for Jesus. If you're visiting with us today, you've been visiting for a long time. You're a strong Christian. You uh, know that you want to be a part of a church family. I pray that you'd come and, and join with us and serve with us. This isn't a perfect church, but I'll tell you this, it is a loving church. It is a friendly church. And there's some folks here that will be praying for you if you need I want to ask you to come and join with us and serve with us. If you'd like to rededicate your life this morning, just come up to the front and bow here at the pew and and pray. And some of our folks will come and stand beside you. If the Lord is leading you at some point, I pray that you would respond today. I'm going to stand down here at the front and wait on your response. Let's stand together as we sing. Mm -hmm.